Welcome, listeners. It's a Monday, and I'm here to bring to your lovely ears a duo from the Halls of Fantasy series. Oh yes, nothing like a Monday old-time radio episode. Now, these two I think you'll enjoy. I've managed to find some exceptionally high-quality recordings of these 1950s episodes, and added my own remastering techniques and filters to really bring out the clarity in the voice while simultaneously reduce the noise and uh, lower any ear-splitting moments where possible. Sometimes the audio is mangled in with that ear-splitting sound, so I do my best to decipher that noise. The second story in this episode is a good example of that. There is a level of finesse in doing these episodes, and for my Patreons, I'm going to see if I can upload a bit of the original audio so you can compare. But all around, both these recordings were really, really good quality. And speaking of awesome people, a big shout out to my Patreons. Matthew J. Bauer, Lee Bauer, Chad Warren, Joss Heather, Lorraine Cresanto, Mace Joe, and Peter Raffaelli. With your support, not only are you keeping this show's blood pumping, you're giving this show the opportunity to grow and produce even better content. And as a result, I'm currently working on a new segment in this podcast. But I'll leave it as a surprise for now. Also, my internet is still on the rocks, unfortunately, so I'll get this uploaded ASAP. Now, turn the lights off, the radio up, and get ready for... The Night the Fog Cave. And the automaton. Come with me, my friends. We shall descend to the world of the unknown and forbidden. Down to the depths where the veil of time is lifted and the supernatural reigns as king. Come with me and listen to the tale of The Night the Fog Came. Ah, ah. It came from our right. We'd better take a look. Come on. We're getting close to the lake. It's only this fog. Wait a minute. There. Right there. Let's take a look. I hope he's all right. And throw him over. He's dead. I know. Do you realize how he died? What do you mean? Look at him closer, Hal. His clothes aren't wet. Even his hair isn't wet. But look at the water trickling from his mouth. This man died less than a minute ago on dry land... 200 yards from the lake. And he died by drowning. If the theory of evolution is correct, then there is a connection between the minute organisms which are found to be living in water and life as we know it today. But what connection with us did those things have which came from out of the fog? What connection with human life did those horrible creatures who came from the depths have? And what is their purpose? Why did they suddenly appear and destroy and vanish as suddenly as they had come? I shall tell you as much as I know about it. Listen to the tale of The Night the Fog Came. 
first inkling of their existence came to us as we were going through some routine research. I dropped over to the lab to see Hal. Harold Enroth was perhaps one of the foremost men in his field. Our friendship stretched back for many years. I'd been away for a while, and so I dropped in at the lab to see him one morning. Jeff, you old dog, you're a sight for sore eyes. How are things going, Hal? Fine, couldn't be better. How'd you like your vacation? I can't wait till next year. I hated to come back. You know, Jeff, I'm glad you dropped in. I, I have a little problem. Oh? What is it, money? No, not that. Here, I'll show you. Pull those blinds, will you? Uh, sure. Yeah, that's fine. I have a specimen here on the slide. I want you to take a look at it. Go ahead. Turn the projector on. All right. There. What do you think of that? Hmm. I don't know. It looks like some form of water life. I don't think I've ever seen it before. This has been enlarged a hundred times. There's no use trying to recognize what it is. It's a form of water life completely unknown to us. A new form of life. Where did you get this? It's a specimen of water one of our field researchers took from the westernmost tip of Lake Superior, somewhere near the Wisconsin-Minnesota border. Have you contacted anyone else about it? No. Why not? Well, it's... Come on, come on. Don't try to avoid telling me how we know each other too well. All right, right. all right. Listen to me, Jeff. All right? Everything I say is fact. I've conducted countless tests to discover what I do know about this form of life. That thing is able to reproduce itself. A hydrotype? Possibly. That's beside the point right now. What's more important, all trace of the other organisms organisms in that drop of water has disappeared. Are you serious? Of course I am. And another thing, there was a little mist hovering above what was left of the water. A, a mist? That's what I call it. Something like fog. Why, that's impossible. No, it's not. I know that when the water evaporated, it should have been dispersed into the air. Eventually it was, but not for several hours. Oh, I'm sorry, Hal. I still can't. Here, I'll show you. We have a little of the water left. It's over here in this jar. You can see for yourself. It looks just like ordinary water. I know it does. But believe me when I say it isn't. Now, it'll take just about three minutes. See what's happening? I can't believe my eyes. See that little cloud of misty vapor beginning to form like fog? Yes. What causes it? I wish I knew. Our field men say the conditions up there are getting to be unbearable. The whole area for a hundred square miles is almost covered completely by this fog. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going up there myself. Jeff, if I send for you, will you join me? Of course. I may need you. I may need everyone I can get. It's begun to prey on my mind, Jeff. Somehow I think there's something in back of this. Something the likes of which the world has never seen. Something evil. Al went up there the afternoon of the morning I had seen him. At first he wrote that the reports had been exaggerated. Then he discovered that all traces of the new form of life had disappeared. He decided to return. I was quite glad to get that letter from Hal. Before he had gone up there, he had been quite worried... The only thing I couldn't understand was what had become of the new water life form. The day before he was to return to the city... Hello? Jeff, this is Hal. Where are you? I thought you... I had them put me through direct to you, Jeff. I need your assistance. What's the matter? I've already called Arnold Simpson and Jack Rackle. They've agreed to come. I need you too, Jeff. Just as soon as you can possibly make it. Don't worry, Hal. I'll be there. Remember, as soon as you can possibly make it. 
I knew Arnold Simpson, and he and I went up together. The train left Chicago and headed north, and then slightly west over Illinois and Wisconsin. Simpson and I talked it over on our way up there. Hal talked to you before he left, didn't he, Arnold? Yes, he did. I never had enough time to get up to his lab so he could show me what it was, but his words were description enough. Frankly, I'm worried. In what way? Jeff, why should a new form of water life suddenly appear? Why should it destroy everything with which it comes into contact? And why should the mist or the fog appear to be so dense and heavy? I don't know. That's just the trouble we don't know. Where has this form of life been, or did it just develop? What's its reason for being here? Perhaps we'll find the answers to those questions when we get there, Arnold. Perhaps. But I'm convinced of this much, Jeff. Whatever it is, whatever that fog is hiding, poses a new problem for us. A problem which may be unsolvable. And which could very well destroy the human race. Simpson seemed disinclined to talk, and so we spent the remainder of the trip in silence, both of us lost in our thoughts. We arrived at the town and then hired a car to take us to the little village, where we would find Hal Enroth. The closer we came to our final destination, the darker the sky became, and the air was heavy with a mist which was both damp and clammy. It was an old rickety car, and the roads were little better than the ground on either side of it. The car stopped a few hundred feet from our destination. You gotta walk the rest of the way. You said you'd drive us all the way. Look, mister, I come farther than I was going to in the first place. I ain't no mood to go into the woods up there. If you're gonna go, then you walk in. Jeff, can't you do something? I don't think so. Here's your pay. Thanks. Let's go, Arnold. It could be worse, Arnold. I suppose so. He seemed genuinely afraid. Aren't you? A little. Close to the lake. I've never seen the fog this thick. It's unnatural. Eventually, we made it up to the house. Hal was there waiting for us and showed us where we would sleep. Through the window, I could see that the fog seemed to be getting thicker. That's a neary, lonely sound. You get used to it after you've been here for a while. Hal, you wrote me that this fog, the new form of life, had disappeared. It had. But two days ago, it suddenly reappeared. And with it, the fog returned. Then there must be a connection between the two. Yes, but what? I haven't any idea. Look, I have to go down to the village for some food. We don't have enough here to feed four of us. You come with me, Jeff? Certainly. I'll be right back, Arnold. It's only about a mile away near the lake. Go ahead. That trip made me tired. I think I'll take a nap. in which we were staying was on a high level of ground which tapered off on the side facing the lake. It was only three in the afternoon, but it looked almost as dark as late evening. And there was something about that cloudy mist. It was cold and clammy and smelled strongly of the lake. I don't see how you were able to stand it up here by yourself. Well, I had a lot of things to interest me. I was all ready to meet you at the station, but when I got your call, I didn't know what to think. I wish I could understand this, Jeff. The fog disappeared when the water life disappeared. When signs of this strange new form of life showed again, the fog came back. Why? Maybe we can find the answer to that. I hope so. It's 
Maybe the sound of that foghorn does get on your nerves. Yes, I can imagine it would. You know, if this were a clear day, you could see the village from here. Oh? Actually, it's just a tiny resort town for fishermen and hunters. And it's located right on the westernmost tip of the lake. Imagine it must... Came from our right. We'd better take a look. Come on. We're getting close to the lake. Only this pause. Wait a minute. There, right there. Let's take a look. I hope he's all right. Throw him over. Okay. He's dead. I know. But do you realize how he died? What do you mean? Look at him closer, Hal. His clothes aren't wet. Even his hair isn't wet. But look at the water trickling from his mouth. This man died less than a minute ago on dry land, 200 yards from the lake. And he died by drowning. That's not possible. You sure he drowned? There must be a doctor down at the village. Let's take him down there and see what the doctor says. Only I'm sure he'll agree with me. Together, we carried the man down to the village. Luckily for us, he was a slight build, not too heavy. It took us almost half an hour to get him down there. When we finally did arrive, it took another few minutes to locate the doctor. What do you think, doctor? Get them out. All right. Will you uh, please wait outside? The doctor can't work with you in here. He's just like all the others, ain't he, doctor? Please wait outside. Thank you. What did he mean by he's just like all the others, doctor? Just what he said. Ever since this fog has settled down again, five people have died. All in the same way? Yes. You, you mean by drowning? That's right. I can't understand how this man we found could die by drowning when he wasn't in the water. You know, he reached him about a minute after he screamed. How could he drown? Professor Enroth, I've been asking myself that same question about all the others. I've been almost half insane these past two days trying to find a solution. <laughs> Dr. Craig, this fog, has it always been like this in the area? No. Not until about two months ago. Which coincides with the time we first discovered that new form of water life. What did you say? Nothing, Doctor. We're doing a little research work up here, that's all. This keeps up. I'm afraid of what might happen. I've never seen anything like it before. The fog, those deaths, how can they be explained? We don't know, Doctor. We just don't know. to the house, we discovered that Simpson had indeed taken a nap. Our arrival must have awakened him, for as we entered, he came slowly down the stairs from the second floor. Need any help? No, we can manage, but come out to the kitchen with us. What's the matter with you two? We found a dead man on our way to the village. Are you serious? Let's set those bags on the table. All right. Oh, I'm not joking, Arnold. We heard a scream. It took us about a minute to get to him. He was dead when we got there. A knife? Drowned. What? On dry land. 200 yards from the lake. You must be insane. Now, it's the truth, Arnold. And there have been four other deaths just like it. When did they happen? In the last two days. Since the fog reappeared. That's right. Then there is a definite connection between this fog and the new life form you've discovered, Hell. That's right. But what's the connection? We'd gotten back to the house about six o'clock. It was about seven that it happened. Simpson said he was going outside for a minute. He opened the door. I just want to get outside for a minute. Good heavens. What's wrong? Take a look. Fog is so thick. I've never seen anything like that before. Shut the door. Some of it's getting inside. It's moving along the floor. Just Shut the like... door. Did you see it? Yes. The fog. 
It's like I was alive. Moving like like a living thing. Creeping along the floor. When Simpson had opened the door, the fog crept into the house in little wisps that curled and snaked this way and that. It looked like a thing alive. You saw it, didn't you, Hal? Yes, I saw it. What does it mean? I'm afraid of what it means. You mean you... you know? I hope I'm wrong, but I'm afraid I'm not. It's just possible that this form of life is developed from something that was present in the water all the time. The great brute animals ruled the world before man appeared and then were destroyed. Eventually, mankind wrested the supremacy of the earth from the other animal and plant life. Perhaps the cycle is to continue. Perhaps after man... This new form of life. As the minutes passed by, we noticed that little slips of the fog began inching their way through every opening of the house. It was Simpson who pointed down at the bottom of the door and first brought it to our attention. We began to plug up all the openings in the house. At first we did it slowly, but as time passed, we worked faster and more feverishly. No matter how tired we became, we had to finish the job or the fog might claim the house, too. It was too quiet. The only thing we heard was the distant, monotonous call of the foghorn. And then Hal broke the silence. Do you know why this fog is so thick? I wish I did. This might be insane, but it has to be the answer. That fog is carrying moisture, a lot of it, perhaps enough to also carry this new form of life. To move it from place to place, to spread it even farther... To kill everything which stands in its way. That might be it. It is. I'm sure it is. Well, in that case, what happened to break it up the first time? And that's the solution to the problem. I don't know what it is, but it did break it up the first time. It drove it back down to the depths from where it came. That's why there was no sign of it in the water. That came from right outside the house. Racco. He said he was going to arrive this evening. We'd better take a look. Uh, bring the flashlight. Right. Let's go. Light that can carry more than a few feet. It's so wet out here. Over there, look. Little pinpoints of light dancing up and down, all clustered together. That must be it. Come on. It's spreading out. All right, look. There, on the ground. It's Racco. The same way. Same way as the other one. specks of dancing luminescence had withdrawn from Rackhouse body, but now we noticed that there seemed to be more of them. We carried the body back to the house. We'd forgotten to close the door behind us, and some of the fog had gotten inside. It wasn't too bad, however, but by little it began to disperse. Look out that window. Yes, I see them. Gathering together with a whole mass, getting larger and larger all the time, separating like the Hydra. It must be destroyed. Yes, but how? They created the fog. That must be the only way they can travel on land. They must have a basic water carrier. Have you realized what this means? What are you getting at? The area this fog now covers is a hundred square miles. Every animal in this area may lose its life. And then what happens? They divide again and again and again. And the area of the fog keeps getting larger all the time. If it isn't stopped now, while we still have a chance, it may never be stopped. And I ask you the same question, Simpson. How? I don't know. Someone's outside. Let him in quickly. They're moving towards the house. It's a miracle that you did. Sit down, doctor. Thank you. I was out in the car on my way back to town. I noticed how thick the fog was. 
And then I noticed the animals lying dead in the forest. The smell of their death was in the air. I continued on towards the town. Then I saw the bodies lying just where they had fallen. The whole town seemed to be covered by a strange luminescent mass which in some manner moved. I was afraid. Then I thought of you people in this house and I got here as soon as I could. I don't know how long we'll be able to withstand them, Doctor. I'm sure the townspeople are dead now. In fact, almost every living creature in the area must be dead. But what is it? What caused it? If we get out of this alive, Doctor, we'll tell you. Look outside. It must have split again. It's twice the size it was. What are we going to do? Look under the doorway. They're getting through. Plug it up. Use some newspaper. Close anything. We've got to stop it. Constant opening and closing of the door. Listen to the other things we have down there. I think that was Look, the things that did get in. First you see their light and then they're gone. What happens to them? Perhaps we can't see them. Or perhaps they die. Now, wait a minute. Your first letters to me mentioned the fact that the mist had been dispersed. What caused it? I don't know. Doctor, you're a native of these parts. Yes. I want you to tell me about anything unusual which happened that day. Well, I don't remember anything about that day. Didn't you, dear? I remember I was quite pleased to see that the fog had lifted. It was a beautiful day. Unseasonably warm. In fact, the, the sun was quite hot. Heat. I wonder if... If what, yeah? These things, these hydra-type creatures must die in the heat. This house is quite warm. The day the fog was dispersed was warm with a bright sun. Perhaps that's the answer. Doctor, is there any firebreak around this area? Well, there was one cut through the trees several years ago. Yes. In case of a fire, a bad one in the heavy timberlands, everyone was instructed to get into this area. In other words, there's a complete firebreak around this entire area. Yes. It comprises about 150 square miles. And that's it. It's the only chance we have. We'll burn out this area and hope it drives them back. There's some oil downstairs. Get it. We'll start the fire here and hope it sets fire to the trees surrounding this house. Be right back. We'll have to make a run for it once this place is on fire. We may not come out of this alive, but we can try. The last. Good. Oh, everybody knows what... You'd better light it. Those things outside, they're going to get in. Each man will carry a torch. Yes. All right, light your torches. All right. And then set fire to this house. All right. All right, mine. All right. And yours, huh? All right. One more. Right. Uh, under the door. Good morning, in under the door. Set the house on fire. fire caught hold and the entire area was burned out. A week later, the smoke had cleared and the fire was out. There was no sign of the fog which had meant death to so many things. I had caught a glimpse of the doctor. He had dropped his torch and it had gone out. He was immediately engulfed in those luminescent killers. I'm going back up there with Enroth and Simpson. Though there is now no trace of those things in the water, still we know they lurk somewhere waiting for their moment. We must destroy them once and for all before that moment arrives.
characters and events portrayed on these programs are fictional, and any resemblance to places or actual persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Featured in this program were Harry Elders as Jeff Kellick, Richard Thorne as Hal Enroth, Jim Andelin as Arnold Simpson, and Sam Siegel as the Doctor. Original music moods were created and performed by Harold Turner. Sound effects by Lloyd Knight and Wayne Dickinson. Your announcer is George Bauer. These programs are directed by Leroy Alliger, written and produced by Richard Thorne. Automaton. I first met Dr. Eric Ziegler at the Conference on Scientific Research. I knew of him, of course. His name was famous throughout the world as one of the foremost experts on automatic control. It was the closing session of the conference when he made his now famous speech. And in conclusion, gentlemen... May I say that mankind can expect his technological advance to continue. He can look forward to the future in the secure knowledge that his life will become easier and longer through the advances we make. That he will be free to direct his energies towards the conquering of new fears, bringing him closer to the day and he will stand alone over all the universe. His speech so aroused me that I couldn't help making my way to the speaker's platform, pushing my way through the crowd which surrounded him in order to congratulate him. Congratulations, Dr. Ziegler. Dr. Ziegler? Yes, yes. My name is Drake Sheridan. I just wanted to tell you I thought your speech was the best thing I've ever heard. I take that as a compliment coming from you, Dr. Sheridan. I know about your work. Oh, nothing at all compared to yours, sir. Dr. Sheridan, I'd like to talk to you further. Why don't you come to my house this evening? What time? After dinner, about 8.30. Here's my card. Well, thank you, sir. You'll be there? Of course. I'll see you then. Yes? I uh, came to see Dr. Ziegler. Oh, your name? Drake Sheridan. Oh, yes. He's been expecting you. Won't you come in? Thank you. Just follow me. Was the most interesting effect of all... A new paragraph. Uh, the success of the automaton of which I am speaking is uh, dependent upon the excellence of the brain I can give him. Uh, my work has become so... Dr. Sheridan is here, Father. Oh, oh, excuse me. I do hope you'll forgive me, Dr. Sheridan. Of course, dic- sir. I was dictating my report on a project on which I am now working. Please be seated. And before I forget, this is my daughter, Elizabeth. How do you do? Pleasure. Thank you. Uh, drink, perhaps, Dr. Sheridan? Yes, I uh, I could stand one. Yes, any particular preference? No, no. Uh, would you do the honors, Elizabeth? Of course, Father. Uh, <clears throat> Dr. Sheridan, perhaps you're wondering why I asked you to come here. I uh, have been, but I consider it a privilege and an honor to be here. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment, but it wasn't necessary. You may be interested to know that I've followed your career quite closely. 
And from what I've gathered, you're a very intelligent young man. Well, thank you, Dr. Ziegler. I'm not complimenting you to make you feel comfortable, Dr. Sheridan. I mean what I say. Exactly why did you ask me here, Dr. Ziegler? Uh, to talk to you. To see what kind of a person you are. And here are your drinks. Oh, thank you. Thank you, my dear. That's just right, Elizabeth. Yes. Uh, Dr. Sheridan, I'm going to be completely frank with you. I am working on a private project financed with my own money, completely divorced from my work at the Research Institute. Mm -hmm. My daughter has been helping me with this work, but unfortunately she does not have the knowledge nor the training to be of anything more than elementary assistance. I see. I am interested in finding an assistant who will devote his full time with me to the work I am doing. You mean... You intend to leave the Institute? Yes, yes. My work is finished there, and besides, I want to devote more time to this particular project of which I'm speaking. What's the nature of your work? Automatic control, of course. Uh, would you be interested in working with me? It's a great honor, sir. I will make it worth your while. Well, I'd like to know exactly what you're working on before I make any decision. I believe I can trust you. I I have a building some miles outside of the city which serves as my own personal research laboratory. Uh, we might as well drive out there. That is, if you're interested. Why, well, certainly am. Uh, good, good. Elizabeth, get the car from the garage, please. We'll drive out tonight. You certainly have it well-equipped, Dr. Ziegler. I wanted to show you that you would be working with only the finest of equipment. Who's that? Uh, what's that? Oh, that's the watchman. It's nothing to worry about, Bart. Oh, it's you, Dr. Ziegler. I didn't hear you come in. It's all right. We'll check out with you when we leave. All right, sir. Uh, will you open the door, Elizabeth? Of course. All right, let's go in. I'll put on the lights. Now you'll see what I've been working on for the past year. That sheet-draped figure on the table over there, what is it? My newest research project in automatic control. But what you'll see, you'll see. It looks like a human body underneath that sheet. Not quite. Here, I'll pull back the sheet. No, it isn't a human body. That's correct. What do you think of it, Sheridan? What do you think of my automaton? Is it finished? Not yet. But soon, with your help. A mechanical man. A robot shaped exactly like a human being. What better form could I give him? After all, our own bodies evolved to what we are today. Why should I attempt to improve on nature? What do you intend doing with, with him when you finish? Tell him, Elizabeth. Well, this automaton will be able to do... All of the hard and painstaking work of mankind with, without ever getting tired. It can fight his wars. It, it can be the first to explore outer space. It can free mankind to direct his energies to, to other channels. I don't know. Oh, come, come, Sheridan. You look at the automaton as if you thought he was some Frankenstein monster. Believe me, this is the farthest thing from that imaginary creature. This is a work of science. This is not a monster created from the dark recesses of someone's imagination. This is our key to the future. 
Dr. Eric Ziegler, his daughter, and I stood looking down at the metallic figure lying on the table before us. In all respects, it resembled a man, a metal and plastic man, created by the genius of Ziegler. This is our key to the future. This automaton will free man from labor. Let him develop his mind to the fullest. How much longer do you think you'll have to work before it's finished? I can't tell. That's why I need you to help me set up the automatic self-regulation of its brain. Then you haven't developed the system of feedback yet? No. As you are aware, that is the basic machine of all self-regulating systems of automatic control. A man's mind is a complex creation. The mind of the automaton must also be complex in order that it can do the work of a man, in order that it can think and regulate itself. Why don't you show him what you've accomplished so far in the feedback system? All right. Now, over here is what I call his brain. Uh, put the power on, Elizabeth. Yes, Father. I've only begun on the binary system, but watch. It's Sitting up. Yes. It's getting down off the table. And now you see a sight that no one else has ever seen before. It's walking around the laboratory. Yes. You are witnessing the first movements of a new creation, superior to man, and that it will never tire. Servant to man. For that will be its place in the future. A machine that looks like a man will be able to think like one. I shall return him to the table now. It's climbed back up on the table. And it's lying down again. All right. Turn off the power, Elizabeth. Well, Sheridan, what do you think now? I'm afraid I don't know what to think. Will you work with me? I... Oh, yes. Who wouldn't jump at the chance? Of course I will. Good, good. You understand, of course, that the feedback system and the binary scale are still in their elementary stages. When the brain, the, the automatic control, is finished, it will fit inside the automaton's body and head. That's correct. There will be controls on the robot's chest to set the automatic control to working and another to stop the machine if it needs to be repaired. Of course, our largest task will be to develop a complete automatic self-regulatory system to fit inside the robot's body. As soon as you can be free... Which should be in about two weeks. Good. Then we shall begin work on the final stages that will lead to the completion of the automaton. Rather than completely sever my relations with the organization for which I worked, I took an extended leave of absence. There were living quarters in the laboratory in the country. Ziegler shut down his house in the city, and he and his daughter and I moved our belongings to the laboratory in order to devote every possible minute to our work. Not only was Ziegler intent on having the automaton think for itself, but he was also insistent that the robot be able to talk. To those ends, we went to work. If we were right in our calculations, the amplifier and receiver we have built into the mechanism will convert our words into electrical impulses, which in turn will activate a response from the automaton. Those responses themselves will be electrical impulses, which will be converted into words. Well, why don't we try it and see, Eric? We might as well, I suppose. After all, the automatic control is almost finished. We only have the more complex reactions to set in the binary scale. All right. 
Turn the control on his chest. Right. Turn. We'll see what happens. I order you to sit up. Sitting up? Yes. Uh, jump down to the floor. I want you to answer me with your voice. Uh, what have you been created for? To kill. That's not the right reaction. What was that? Correction. To work. That's right. We must have made a mistake somewhere along the line in the reactions we set up. That to kill value is present for only one situation. For personal protection. What are you doing? Well, we're just conducting a test. Woman. That's correct. Woman. Stay back. Stay away from me. Elizabeth, be quiet. He wasn't going to hurt you. I, I, I'm sorry. When he started toward me, frightened me. You see? He stopped now. There's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Get back. Back to the table. Lie down again. Turn off the control, Drake. Right. What's the matter, Elizabeth? You're shaking. It's just that that thing frightened me so. It, those lenses that it has for eyes, there's, there's something hypnotic about them. He looks so much like a man. I know he's made of plastic and metal, but... But, well, I fear him. Elizabeth, there's no sense getting emotional about this. There's nothing to be afraid of. I know you're right, Father, but... But what? But what would happen if you ever lost control of the automaton? That will never happen. But... Is it possible? Hmm? Perhaps. <laughs> We didn't do any more work on the automaton that day. We went into the city in the early evening to see a play, leaving the watchman at the laboratory to take care of things. We got back about 12 and were having a late snack. More coffee, Drake? Oh, yes. <clears throat> Please. I think it did us good to get away from here this evening. We've all been working too hard. Uh, do you feel better now, Elizabeth? Oh, yes, Father, much better. Yeah. Tomorrow we can finish up with the automaton. Then we can show him, after suitable tests, of course, to the world. Uh, if we're successful, you ought to win a prize. What was that? Someone screamed. It came from upstairs. We'd better take a look. Who could it have been? The only other person up there is Bert the Watchman. There it is again. Hurry! Look, uh, the door to the laboratory is... It's open. He must be in there. The lights are on. We'll see what's wrong in a second. All right. Oh, oh, no. It's Bert. What's the matter with him? His neck's been broken. Oh. He's dead. But how? I don't know, only... What's the matter? Look, we turned off the control on the robot... When we left, didn't we? Of course we did. Why? Because... Because now it's on, Eric. The control is on. On the floor of the laboratory sprawled the broken body of Bert, the night watchman. 
A scant few feet away, I stood looking down at the inert form of the automaton. Before we had left the laboratory, we had turned off the control, and now we found it on. But that isn't possible. Take a look for yourself. The control is on. But we turned it off before we left. Are you sure? Of course, I turned it off myself. How did it get on? Perhaps Bert turned it on. Why should he do that? Perhaps he was curious. But the most important thing to find out is what killed him. The robot. Don't be a fool, Elizabeth. The robot won't kill unless attacked. That's right, Elizabeth. It's the only reason for it to kill. Actually, the reaction was set in the control system for self-preservation. For no other reason than that. It's the only time the automaton is dangerous. Maybe you made a mistake when you set the automatic controls. It's possible that we might have made an error in the feedback system, Eric, and that the automatic selector chose the wrong value. When Bert turned the switch on, the robot thought he was in danger. We didn't make an error in the feedback system, Drake. We checked each value through five times before we placed it in the server mechanism. You know that as well as I do. Then, then how did Bert die? I don't know. Master of men. It's still on. Turn it off. Did... Did you hear what it said, Eric? Master of men. We didn't set that reaction in the servo mechanism. Something's wrong. Do you mean the automaton can... can think for itself? What about it, Eric? We'll dismantle it tomorrow morning and check it over thoroughly, just to be sure. What about Bert? We'll merely explain to the authorities that he died in an accident here at the laboratory. We can do that in the morning, too. Now we all need a good night's sleep. Don't you think we ought to move him out of here? Well, they may want to look at his body, Elizabeth. Besides, nothing more can happen to him. Elizabeth? Who is it? Drake. What are you doing up here on the second floor outside the laboratory? I... I couldn't sleep. Oh. Well, neither could I. Drake, do you think that... that the robot can operate by itself? Why do you ask that? I was thinking, what if... What if Bert was merely making his rounds? What if he walked into the laboratory and the robot was there, waiting for him? Well, that's... that's not possible, of course. I wouldn't say that. Isn't... isn't it possible that you and Dad might have made a mistake in setting up the feedback system? Isn't it possible that... that there could be an error in the automatic control system that would allow it to operate without being switched on. Operate enough to at least turn the operating switch on? Well, it's... Uh, <clears throat> it's possible that there's something comparable to a short in the control system, which would mean that the robot could operate without the control being on. Yes. I want to go in there and take a look at it. 
Why don't you wait until morning? No, I I want to see it tonight. All right. Let's go. Are you sure you want to go inside? Yes. Switch on the lights. Mm-hmm. Well, everything seems to be all right. Let's take a look at the automaton. Every time I see it, it it frightens me. There's nothing to be afraid of, Elizabeth. I'm not so sure. The control button is still off. Wasn't he lying the opposite way? With his head at the other end of the table when we left? No, I don't think. Where's that hum coming from? I don't know. Sounds like the robot's power system. Yet the control button is off. Are you sure? Let me get a little closer to it. Well? The hum is coming from the automaton. That means I was right. I guess you... Great. Huh? Look out. Master of men. The system is on. It's sitting up. To kill. To kill. We made a mistake. We must have made a mistake. It's getting down. Let's get out of here. Is it following us? No, it's just standing there. But it will be after us in a few seconds. Hurry, hurry. Let's get this door closed and locked. I can see it through the glass panel. It's starting towards the door. I heard some noise up here. What's the matter? The automaton's in operation without the control being on. What? That's right. We must have made a mistake, Eric. The, 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 The only thought that thing knows is to kill We have to destroy it. It's getting closer to the door. That door won't hold. Let's get out of here. It has to be destroyed. But how? It weighs over half a ton. I think I have it. Stop here by this window. Oh, another crash against that door and it'll be out of the lab. What are you going to do? Its reactions are slower than ours. We'll wait here for it. It'll come walking towards us. At the last minute, we'll run to the side. I don't think it'll be able to stop itself in time. It should crash through the window and to the ground below. The two-story drop should destroy it. The door is down. I hope your plan works. And if it doesn't... Then we'll have to think of something else. Here it comes. It's looking up and down the hallway for us. Over here! Over here! It sees you. Here it comes. Don't kill. When do we move away? Not yet. Master of men, kill all men. Only a few feet from us. How soon? In a moment. To kill. Now. Sure, it's destroyed? Yes. The fall completely destroyed the automatic control. You're looking at nothing but a pile of metal. What do you intend doing? Starting all over again. Somewhere along the line, we made a mistake. 
We have to find that mistake and correct it. We don't want a master of men, but a servant of men. Someday, I don't know when, but someday, we'll be successful. And then one of mankind's most useful servants will be the automaton. portrayed in these programs are fictional, and any similarity to actual events or persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Mates, I hope you enjoyed both these halls of fantasy stories. The Night the Fog Came was really unique, certainly ahead of its time. Microbial death flying through the air and consuming all in its path. Only fearful of fire and the heat death it brings. I really like how the story didn't pull any punches from killing off its characters, and it seems to be a consistent theme in Halls of Fantasy that no one has a level of plot armor that protects them from certain death. We saw this as the scientist tried to escape, engulfed by the creatures at the loss of his torch. The imagery that conjures up is just awesomely morbid. The second tale about the automaton was interesting in that the pride of the scientist initially dooms them, his stubbornness to accept a fault in their design led to a death, and fear of his own creation once out of his control. There's always an underlying message in these episodes, and Halls of Fantasy always get their point across. I hope you enjoyed both these stories, mates. A big shout out again to my Patreons, and if you want to be one of my old grey enforcers, swing on by www.patreon.com forward slash sfgt, and you can support the show there. There are a lot of cool perks, and I'm always looking at ways to provide more value, so feel free to chat to me. Also, a big thank you to all of you out there spreading the word, and a big thank you to all those that leave iTunes reviews. You are helping immensely. Thank you so much, really. Have a great day or night, mates, and I'll see you Wednesday for something very different. As always, till next, we meet.